The views expressed on this podcast represent only those of the hosts and do not represent the views of the Student National Medical Association. It's officially 25 days left until AMEC, the annual medical education conference of 2023, will be held in person in Hartford, Connecticut at the Connecticut Convention Center from April 5th to April 9th, 2023. AMEC gives attendees several days of innovative programming geared at preparing the next generation of physicians for successful careers in medicine with tons of educational workshops and programs focused on academic and clinical success, professional development, and personal growth. AMEC is a premier experience that catapults attendees toward becoming clinically excellent, culturally competent, and socially conscious physicians. The regular rate ended on March 1st, but you still got the opportunity to purchase tickets. For more info, head to snma.org slash page slash AMEC 2023 attendee. Let's get it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. I am student Dr. Isabella, and it's officially March, and spring is approaching. For some, this is, you know, a season of harvest. We got some spring, uh, what's it called, flower buds coming out. Not where I'm at, but probably somewhere <laughs> else. Maybe in Atlanta, where Aldwin's at. There's some, you know, little flowers coming off. <laughs> it is. Uh, some warm weather trickling in. Um, but the question of the day is, what type of harvest are, are we expecting to reap based off of the seeds we've sown? So... For me, I am expecting to reap a harvest of enjoyment. I have not enjoyed in a while, not since my birthday trip to Rome. And I need to get back to that level of just getting to really enjoy my life. You know, there's board exams that, you know, now I may or may not have to like move some test dates around just because of other things going on and just life lifing basically. And so it will just be nice to finally be able to just like not have anything that is I feel burdening me and just mm. to be able to enjoy. That is what kind of harvest I'm hoping to reap. What about you guys? What's going on? You know, for me, I'm I'm harvesting redemption because mm. people may doubt you. They may deter you. They may tell you things to prevent you from accomplishing the excellence that you see in yourself. And for me, I've always had the conviction to believe in myself. No matter where I am in life, no matter what position when I'm down for the count, I'm never down for the count, right? Just like Wheezy said, you know, they try to stop me, but they can never stop me. You know what I'm saying? I'm unstoppable. That's it. <laughs> so I'm harvesting the ability to redeem myself and claim the stake of success and accomplishment that I want to see in the world. And also particularly for myself, when those that didn't believe in me, I believed in myself. So I say that to everybody. Always believe in yourself. Put yourself first, no matter what. You got what it takes. Erica, how you feel? What's up? What's up? Hey, guys. Student Dr. Erica Dingle here. And, you know, I feel like I'm in a harvest season of sowing seeds. 
if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I just have a bunch of seeds that I'm sowing at the moment. So mm. nothing's necessarily harvesting at the moment. But in the future, I feel like I will reap from this this extensive uh, harvesting of seeds a lot of good things. Um, hopefully some peace, some prosperity, Mm. and gratitude um, from for myself and from others just based off the season I'm in. So that's what I'm looking forward to. This is a really love good that. question. Yeah. Love the reflection and love your answers. And now we're going to do what is our favorite part of the show, a real exciting show for everyone today. Ooh. So it's time to run the list. Let's our pre. <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> For our preclinical students, running the patient list on the wards allows the team to address the pressing matters of the day. In this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine and beyond that affect our communities and the populations that we serve. And lots of exciting things happen in February that we're going to highlight, as well as mm -hmm. things that are coming up. Um, mm -hmm cough cough amex so yeah. let's discuss i can we start with the super bowl though let's yes we can <laughs> what, i know what y'all think who Whew. wants to take it away I mean, is it you, you all these? yeah i mean <laughs> you know how the super bowl is probably one of the greatest most magnifying events that we have here in america and in some fashions in the world um, what mm -hmm. one, one of the best things about this Super Bowl is that this is the first time that we've ever had two quarterbacks face uh face to face in the actual mm. um NFL Super Bowl. Um highlighting black, that right? yeah, two black, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. I'll talk about like in specific the game. I really enjoyed the game. Uh it was you know, initially I was going I actually hate the Eagles, so uh because mm -hmm. I'm a Giants fan. You feel me? Mm. So uh, I know. Too, I, I know. Erica. The Eagles is just that I live in Philadelphia, so I feel like I need to say something on their behalf. But well, honestly, speaking, that noise. Huh? but honestly speaking, I don't even really care enough about Philly to be doing all that. So you know no, what? You <laughs> both both teams, they're they're you know Philly has an amazing offense. Um, they mm. you know what I'm saying the Eagles had an amazing offense. Uh, they just couldn't pull through because. Mahomes pulled up, even though he was injured, he actually had a, a ankle injury, so he wasn't like up to par. But the rest of the team pulled up and showed out face, mm -hmm. even though they was down initially, and the Eagles was punching them in the face. So overall, I thought like, the game was really dope. Uh, highlighted a lot of uh, successful black athletes, in particular. I wanted to really like um, highlight uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Eagles, who has his whole team. From his media manager to his agent, who's his actual girlfriend or fiance, one of those things, mm. um, are all really? women. They're all women. Yep, yep. Wow. Uh, although I would like to see black women uh, for all of them, but there's about Wait, two he's or three. Wait, he's not dating a black woman? He's, he is, he's, he's, dating a, he's dating a black woman. I'm uh -oh. just saying, for, you, you, for, you, his squad, <laughs> for his squad that supported him, you know what I'm saying? He, he had all women. Early. You okay. feel me? Yeah, she... <laughs> It's, it's, just want to make sure because I was like, wait, so we're celebrating this because okay, now I I'm getting it. I'm we just love Black History Month, so I feel that energy though. We need to bring that, bring that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but how 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 y'all thought about the game though? 
Hey, did y'all even watch it? I know y'all probably was like, I Yo. love how you y'all made that up. clarification because I did not watch it. <laughs> it's I like, I don't listen did. to Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Erica. Okay, Erica says she watched yeah. it. So go ahead, I sis. watched it, like, start mm-hmm. to finish. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the most exciting. I'm not a football fanatic, but, mm-hmm. you know, I will I will watch um, if they're, like, championship games. This was one by far one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. That's facts. Oh, wow. watching Super Bowls. Um, aside from, like, let's let's list out some of these notables first, and then I'll kind of get into it. Um, so we all already mentioned, right, we had two black quarterbacks that were facing off. We had Patrick Mahomes leading the Can- Kansas City Chiefs and then Jalen Hurts leading the Philadelphia Eagles. This was like mm-hmm. black excellence on a thousand for me because then we have Rihanna come in later. But you know, Jalen Hurts, he's the youngest quarterback in Eagles history to start in the Super Bowl. And oh, he's wow. like the underdog from his career at Oklahoma, I want to say. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was just really good to watch how focused he was. Um, you know, they're young and leading their team. Patrick Mahomes was named the Super Bowl MVP for the second time in his career. Again, these mm-hmm. like young dudes out here killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Love that. I, I, so let me get into the game now. Like they scored... In the first, like, two minutes of the game. It was out. The Eagles. Eagles, I mean, they, like, they, this was a game. It really, really was just exciting. I was glued. And I'm not, like I said, a football fanatic, but I really enjoyed watching the teams just kind of give it all that they had. They really left everything that they had on that field. Now, there was some issue with the turf though um because there was a lot of players that were slipping and sliding so like even on social media people were like what's going on like did y'all not check the turf ahead of time Mm -hmm. um so yeah i enjoyed it from a woman's standpoint and i know you know here and there you might find some women that are actually um like what am I trying fans. to say? Shout football out to the fans women just, just like football. real, yeah, like they love football. Not mm-hmm. one of those, but I can say that I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, the the Kansas City Chiefs won, and it was really cool to see. There was I, what are the names of the quarterbacks or no, the other players uh, all win. Yeah. The Kelsey, Kelsey brothers, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had also Their mom had the half yeah. jersey. That was dope. Yes. So on the both teams, there were brothers that were kind of going face to face. And it was just so cool to see at the end of the game. Um, Mama's Mama crying, Kelsey, but not crying. Yeah. Came oh, up happy and for hugged one, both of her not sons. Happy for the other one. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> well, she was just. She she, she exhibited what it's like to be a mom in that moment. And right. It was, was just. Right. It was dope. So. Aww. There's other stuff that occurred during this game, right? Because it wasn't just all football. So, right. It did y'all see like anything else from the show? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I like I said, I came and I just, you know, I said Rihanna. That was all I came. See, I, lied. <laughs> I, lied. Like, I know there was other things happened too. Like, of course, I watched kind of the beginning, <laughs> so I did see the wonderful and amazing actress and singer Cheryl Lee Ralph. Um, sing lift every voice and sing Um, so that was like a beautiful thing to witness Um, and also country singer Chris Stapleton he also did a national anthem rendition that many are saying are actually is the top five of all time Uh, do you you, oh what are y'all what are y'all thoughts about that because I'm gonna read I gotta rewatch it and see okay Okay. I gotta rewatch too Uh, 
that's kind of tough. There's been mad people that we we can leave that on the table for another. Time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have enough to say because I I don't even think maybe I like ca- caught a snippet of it, but I don't like I said my focus is mostly on the Rihanna performance, so I don't really have much of to course. say. So yeah. it's something. We'll yeah, let's get right there. Then go ahead, talk about mm-hmm. your girl. Okay, so really, wait, 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 don't forget. I need wait. to shout out, I need to shout out though the the person who did do the American Sign Language yes. during her Justina performance. Miles. Yes. which was yes. amazing she i actually beast. did see some i did see some clips on that on twitter of her doing it and i thought yeah. that was like so dope and i think it's nice because especially with all these social media platforms that we have coming out like tiktok a lot of them are actually like actually like showing what it is to live as a no. deaf or hard of hearing person have whatever word you want to use to describe it um mm-hmm. and using sign language as a primary mode of communication in like general life just either with people who do use sign language or just people who are like regularly speaking some people also like i think um some of them like read lips and stuff like that so it's kind of nice kind of seeing how they're not necessarily exposing their community but more so kind of informing and educating people who didn't have much knowledge as to how they really navigate through society as someone who's hard of hearing yeah so i thought that was beautiful to see that rihanna wanted to make sure they too were included in them in the performance and like got that recognition um but in regards to her performance, which of course is like what everybody was anticipating. I mean, we've talked about Rihanna a couple times in terms of like the stages of life that she's going through, how she's, you know, done her business with Fenty Beauty, Fenty Skin, all of these things, had success with that, even her lingerie uh, company, and not been doing music for some time now. Um, but now is coming back and giving us some performances here and there. She uh, released her single, um, lift me up that was written right. by thames and people had different you know song. opinions about that people have different opinions about that um i have my own opinion about it i thought it was a nice little sweet uh melody is it something that i think nope. represents what rihanna tip like what her platform typically is when she does music no not necessarily but i thought it was different and you know whatever she seems to be wanting to do a lot of different things these days in her life um but in regards to the actual performance itself i thought it was really really i thought it was executed well in regards to just like the staging um having yeah they had like floating stage the set was like packed with so many bangers that she's had throughout her career from umbrella um uh, ponder replay like she just like really came came through it with her song so i thought it was really nice like um and then even too like the way that she kind of promoted the little surprise at the end with her baby bump i thought that was like okay like i love this for you because Mm -hmm. It shows us that she has, this is not the Rihanna that we watched when she was just, you know, only doing music. And that was like kind of her main thing. This is the Rihanna who's had all the success with her businesses, who's had her first kid. Billionaire. Mm -hmm. And now, yeah, exactly. And now black woman billionaire, like this is an evolved Rihanna. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see her performing as this new evolved woman. And so I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great performance. Um, yeah, I think it was successful, and I'm, I'm glad that they used her as the main act in the Super so, Bowl. Either way, if she was, it's like you you can't win with the situation because even as she is pregnant, if she was doing backflips and flipping around, they'd be like, "Oh, that's too dangerous." How's she doing that when she's pregnant? But then right. if she's you know moving in a conservative way, 
but still performing. And, you know, we know from medicine, especially when you're pregnant, that causes, you know, a lot of issues from a physical standpoint, right? With breathing, you know, mm-hmm. you have fluid overload, there's increases with congestive heart failure, all that kind of stuff. So with that being said, like, I really appreciate the fact that she was still able to perform on that stage, perform those songs to the, the capabilities that we kind of expect her to do as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think also mm-hmm. like what was really amazing about the performance as well was like, I like the dynamic array of her being like on that platform. And it's scary. Like you're in a huge stadium and you're going hundreds of feet up in the air, standing there right. and to mm-hmm. be able to perform and maintain your composure. And you have a child with you. And to think about that and that moment, um, I think it was beautiful. And also another thing I loved about it was Super Bowl performers are not paid, right? Um, when they mm, do perform. Really? You think about Beyonce, you think about, yeah, like. But Black, she was paid. Oh, but remember, she she was paid because then, she was promoting her little. In, she was promoting her little. In a different way. That's what I'm saying. You're paid, you're paid right. by yeah. investing your time in the Super Bowl because now Fendi right. is going to build now. Is exactly. brand is acumen. People are going to start searching for it. So she mm-hmm. did a really smart business move. And she's always been a businesswoman. She's like the richest black, you know what I'm saying, woman now. One of the richest black women in the world because of yep. those kind of business moves. And I feel like, really honestly, I feel like she's probably not going to drop any music anytime soon. And she doesn't have to. She's not obligated to do any of that. So mm-hmm. for people that's like on her, like, oh, why, you know, why I support her? Why she in the Super Bowl? She hasn't dropped music. In, you know, hop off that. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's still oh, valid. Yeah. She's still no, nah, I mean, because I really support her because even I seen a post the other day last week. She was on Skid Row, you know what I'm saying, in Cali. It, it's an area in mm-hmm. L.A. where they have homeless people. And she was oh. giving back to those homeless people. So Rihanna, oh. although she has all this money, she's always giving back, right? Like during the pandemic, mm-hmm. she donated a million dollars for ventilators and also to Barbados at, at her home, you know, where she's right. from. So I really love to cherish what she's doing. And I'm very supportive that, you know, we are able to have another year where we have a black artist that is being showcased and able to, um, you know, present their art in a historic moment that will live in infamy forever. Right. Yeah. She did a thing. She really did. Um, I think you guys summed up some of my thoughts. Um, Mm. You can't like everybody's going to always have something to say. Mm-hmm. She's evolved. She's a billionaire. She could do whatever she wants on that stage, and, and that's it. That's it. That's all. And I think she did us proud. You know, Black History Month. Black women doing their thing. Like, and speaking of Black wealth, um, and what is, what kind of can come off as people that are way out of our tax bracket at this point. Okay, <laughs> uh, the Queen Beyonce has officially announced her Renaissance World Tour. Um, my goodness, I don't know if you guys had to deal with the Ticketmaster lotteries and the Beehive lotteries. It was, it was crazy. Okay. (laughs) Well, Erica will be in Toronto in June seeing the queen. She got that money. Right. Right. You know what? Okay. Take us. Take us. Take us. No, it was, it's actually, you know, I, I, I love this segment specifically because I can speak like personal experience about yeah, it. Yeah, um, yeah. But real quick, so I'll do that in a moment. You know, she officially announced her world tour. Everybody went crazy. Um, we do know she got this, she was snubbed for album of the year crazy at the Grammys. Um, <laughs> right. But despite that, because Beyonce fans stick together, 
through it all. Um, there's been so yeah, much I... demand and excitement for this tour. Mm-hmm. And the issue has been, you know, a lot of people are not, we're not getting tickets. There was a lottery. Um, you had to register for either the lottery through the Beehive or the lottery through Ticketmaster. A lot of Mm -hmm. people did both. Mm -hmm. And if you were lucky enough, you were going to receive a unique pre-sale code and that would allow you to buy tickets for preferred shows based on a group. So like group A with certain cities, group B with certain cities, group C, et cetera. Mm. The shows that were abroad, however, did not have this. So I think like when I said Toronto, like, oh, be clear, I'm paying less to see Beyonce in Toronto than I would in New York or at the Meadowlands in... um, are you flying? Jersey. Uh, yeah. Are you flying? Okay. Yeah, I am. But even still, like the group of us that are going, it's cheaper. It would have been a cheaper experience to go abroad. Um, and we're just, we're just making a, you know, a little trip of it. Mm-hmm. But the issue I think that people are having, because you, your big cities like New York City, Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, New Orleans, mm-hmm. they added extra dates. Right. But the tickets are in like the thousands. Um, Crazy. So, and I don't think this is a Beyonce thing, but then again, I don't know. I can't really say. I, I really don't think it is, though. I think Mm-mm. it's a Ticketmaster poaching type of deal. Correct. Oh, yeah. Because um, these tickets are overpriced. Um, and there's, there's a lot to be said about just the ticket industry for concerts at this point but yeah. I've, I've said a lot what what are your thoughts I don't think y'all are going to the tour based on your initial <laughs> reactions but what are y'all thinking <laughs> no you know, I will not be going and it's not because I don't support Beyonce or don't love her work or don't think that she's worth going I just don't think it's worth that coin in the stage of the my life that I'm in I'm a medical student one. like yeah. Okay, I have I got things I got to pay for. I have other expenses that are coming down the line. So I just personally don't have it. But Mm -hmm. I don't like to shame. I don't like to shame people for, you know, Aldwin. That's a phase (sighs) that that's that's an option that for those who want to do it, let them do it. I will not be doing that. And it's going to be I you know, I'm not in college anymore. I just it's not that serious. (laughs) There's other ways you can find money outside of that. Um, but anyway, I want I just want to say that I don't like to shame people for choosing to spend on what they want to spend on. You know, one yeah. thing about me, I'm going to spend on what I want to spend on. And you can think it's silly. You could think it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. I will, But I will spend on it if it's, it's something that's business. going to make yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I never want to tell somebody, oh, don't pay this, don't pay that. If you have it, you have it. No. I just do think it's a little bit... Um, it's just a little bit strange to me that it's like overpriced to that extent. Cause I just don't think it really reflects most of the people who actually listen to Beyonce like this to me, Agreed. you know, like say this is like, she's a, 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 someone who's consumed by a lot of like, I don't know, privileged, like white folk, not to say that white people don't listen to Beyonce. I'm sure they do, but probably not to the extent that mm-hmm. we do, you know what I'm trying to say? And a lot of us are just like middle-class, right. you know, regular, you know, well-to-do whatever living our lives normally so it's i do find it a little bit odd that that's kind of the price range that her tickets fell into but once again i don't like erica what you already alluded to i don't think it's a beyonce thing i think it's Mm -hmm. you know Ticketmaster and all of these other companies capitalizing off of her in a Mm -hmm. greedy way so i it's unfortunate because now people it's it's barring people who would otherwise want to go to not be able to go because of that and kind of excluding her actual ride or die audience from listening to her and being able to experience that but hopefully 
you know, hopefully it's also a wake up call to these companies that they need to chill out because like, we're not also going to just pay any price you guys want us to pay just because we have an artist that, you know, that we do, you know, we, we do follow and that we do kind of ride for whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on the situation. And I think it's also good. I don't want to talk about everything, but I do think we also kind of mentioned offline, like comparing her to other artists who have also had tickets that astronomically high, like Taylor Swift and, Mm -hmm. Listen, I don't. I'm not a Swifty. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what, don't what know. how her ticket prices have looked like. But all I heard is that it's been a bit similar to what Beyonce's tickets are looking like. That. So I, you know, I don't know what you guys' thoughts are about that, and like whether you think that means that it's excusable or permissible for her to be having her tickets sold to that extent. Yeah, there mm-hmm. were tickets though that were reasonably priced. Like it's mm-hmm. just if you want to be on yeah, the floor in Club Renaissance, you're not gonna pay. I think people just thought, oh, we just came out of a pandemic, and blah 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 blah. I'm gonna get floor they seats for five hundred dollars. But going right. to those days, like floor she- seats for Beyonce were five hundred dollars at her last tour. You know, so right. and, and to, to your point. Yes, yeah, I don't think Pandemic, it's a her thing. Um, I think, like you said, Taylor Swift had high ticket prices. I think this is just the the route that these um, arenas are trying to take. Um, mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. that the admin, the Biden administration created a brief defining junk fees and other uh, actions they've tried to kind of take and put in place to support consumers because like Mm. people want to enjoy concerts like they did in the days of old you buy a ticket you know at your price point we know certain certain tickets are really going to cost a lot but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there was there was a hundred dollar tickets for the for the show yes yes (laughs) they still exist this is we're not that deep in 2023 for them to be acting as if we're living in 3035 no we could still (laughs) you know (laughs) 3035 I just, I just don't think there's any excuse for this. <laughs> so oh, yeah, gosh. I hope that this is like I said, a wake up call to these ticket companies because it's not that serious. You know, personally, I just, like, yeah. I don't think it's that serious. Yeah, t- um, Ticketmaster monopolized uh, at, mm-hmm. in 2010 or 11, it was one of those years in the, in the early 2010s ish. They bought another company now, and now they've been the ones to capitalize on that, and we're seeing. In fruition, you know, what has been the result of that. Uh, as you mentioned, Erica, uh, pre pandemic, her prices were 500, but now you're spending, you know, a thousand plus on those same tickets. And remember, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, you know, Ticketmaster, they wasn't making bread, right? All of these venues and events by artists were not, uh, you know, it wasn't a palpable situation, right? Everything was kind of virtual, right? They couldn't take advantage. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to capitalize now today on getting some of their money. And I, I do feel like Beyonce, although it's not her fault, I do feel like Beyonce can have some say in regards to marketing, merchandising, or you know the promotion of. The, I agree. And not utilizing Ticketmaster, uh, mm-hmm. teachers own right. Uh, if you spend bread on that and your lights light bill not paid or your kids' diapers is you know ran out, whatever the case may be, and you can't afford not that. kids' diapers. That's your own decision, but. <laughs> At the end of the day, um, I think that uh, there is some type of responsibility on her to be able to at least say something about that, right? Like uh, apologize because 
You know, most people are middle class or <laughs> below. That's a, you know what I'm saying. Beyonce, she not gonna listen. No, she shouldn't. She's I not know. apologizing. And I personally, I wouldn't apologize. I listen. She, I listen. She needs to get her coin too. She's still a human being. Like whatever. Not to the extent of like, like I said, to this part. But I still don't think it's that. It's not price. that serious. I mean, I don't even think she gets paid off a ticket. They pay her before, right? They say here's how much you're gonna make, right? Performing, they're gonna mm. pay her regardless. No, Taylor still got to apologize first of all before she apologizes. That's just my two cents. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right, Beyonce. Yeah, we love you, though. I do think. We support you on the podcast. But, you know, kind of on that that wavelength that we're talking about financial entertainment news, you know, we're talking about spending too much. But I think it's time to kind of circle back to the part of giving rather than taking. Taking, yes. So, okay. So Hallelujah. we have something more on a positive note with Chadwick Boseman's memorial scholarship that actually was just recently instated. It's a 5.4 million scholarship at Howard, his alma mater, my alma mater. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta talk about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Chadwick, there's basically kind of a little spiel about the scholarship, but it was established to provide incoming students enrolled in the College of Fine Arts, Department of Theater Arts with a four-year scholarship to cover the total cost of university tuition. So the scholarship is awarded mm-hmm. through a selection process guided by the Dean of the College and the Department chairperson so um this was actually established with the support of bozeman's wife simone leward bozeman and sponsorship from netflix which was the inaugural donor so basically they plan to have the first four scholarships to be awarded to one recipient in each class beginning in fall of 2021 and they're going to continue to distribute uh, distribute it to an incoming freshman each year on an annual basis um the scholarship is going to just focus on students who exemplify exceptional skills in the arts kind of alluding to bozeman and you know he also too was a uh, i think he was a film major some he also was in the College of Fine Arts as well, um, and who also demonstrate financial need. So the inaugural class, we're going to shout you guys out in this podcast for fall 2021 were Sarah Long, a freshman in musical theater, Sean Smith, a sophomore studying acting, Janae Ferguson, a junior in theater arts and administration, and senior Deidre Duncan, who studied dance. And actually more recently, um, Jalen Seberg, who graduated from Mount Vernon's Denzel Washington School of the Arts in 2022, she nice. received uh, this memorial scholarship as well. And I know that was kind of floating around on the social medias and everything. So I think it's amazing. What are you guys' thoughts on this mom- momentous scholarship? I love that he's able to continue his legacy. I think one of the most important things for me is being able to create scholarships and fund, especially for our minorities, the opportunity to be in these spaces where they can continue their excellence. And this is a way Mm -hmm. for us to create a a memory of him, a sense of his essence Mm -hmm. being perpetuated into the future and knowing what he stood for. Right. Uh, Everyone knows that like iconic, you know, when he was at HU and he was getting delivering that message, right. About Mm -hmm. persevering, right. And never losing hope and never giving up. And this stands for what he truly stood for. And I really truly believe that, uh, you know, what uh, Chadwick Boseman is, is HU. It is our community. It is our culture. And to be able to uh, allow people, that's one of the greatest gifts to give somebody, you know, education, mm-hmm. knowledge and the tools to mm-hmm. be successful. We undermine yeah. that so much. Right? We put so much money in buying Gucci and Birkin bags and getting this and that car. But you can never, it's priceless what this education will mean for these people. And who's to say, you know, we have what, uh, someone studying acting, theater, arts. These might be people that might actually be popularized in the next 10, 15 years based right. on this, off of this scholarship, mm-hmm. right? So he's right. doing something, not even his physical presence being here, but the fact of the matter is that he's doing something that's going to leave a lifelong legacy. And that's what yeah. we need to do. And that's inspired yeah. me in so many different ways. 
Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, legacy, man. That's what it's about. So many people talk it before mm-hmm. they, you know, make their transition and you see nothing, nothing. of them in the right, you know, when they pass. So yeah. shout oh. out to their <laughs> oh my good lord. Shout out to his wife. Okay. because um, only like I can only imagine what like having to be the stand in, right. you know. Right. Um yeah. She's dope. That has to be hard, but you know, she is a part of his legacy. So mm. it's amazing. Congratulations to the students again, HBCUs for the win, always That's and forever. It. HU, Howard. <laughs> we we <Yes>. in here. <laughs> we It'd be crazy. Like it. how many, like, how many celebrities that got bread but like don't even like make scholarships? You know what I'm saying? Like they could really create these scholarships to help. But that's another topic. But I just find that so interesting that we mm-hmm. have so many scholarships that with people that don't even have bread. But even Chadwick Boseman and his death, he's able to create that. But there's people living literally in today, yeah. right now, getting up, talking about, oh, huh, I got <laughs> right 20 cars, you know, and this and that. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Type. But So it's the person that you, you just mentioned their name like two, I three cannot. minutes ago. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, no, no. That's a You know what? You know anyway, what else I'm I wish? To, to I wish. To, no, Alwyn, that was a good point, though. Because I got I, a scholarship. I, I agree with you. I think black celebrities should do more. One other thing that I wish black celebrities did more of was promote their own health and wellness. Mm. Um, for example, we didn't know that Chadwick Boseman was suffering with um, colon cancer yep. um, until I feel like he passed. And that's yep. fine because, you know, who are we to just yeah. invite ourselves into the lives of others, especially when they are celebrities? Mm-hmm. But right. I just feel like, especially in the age of social media and in the age of people do what they see, mm-hmm. maybe we'd gain more traction in promoting health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this case, we have our health month that we always highlight for March. It's colorectal cancer. And we know mm-hmm. that that's what, what took sir bozeman out of here so mm-hmm. um it be it and it affects black men uh, highly because yeah. they're not out here getting screened like they should nope. um but just a little bit of knowledge about colorectal cancer so it's a common and lethal disease um and the risk of developing colorectal cancer is influenced by both environmental and genetic factors globally it is the third most common diagnosed commonly diagnosed Ooh, cancer mm. in males wow. and the second in females wow. according to mm. the world health organization now mm. rates of both incidence and mortality are substantially higher in males than in females so again mm. men y'all got to go start getting screened when it becomes age appropriate. Right. Um, there are some geographic differences with regards to, you know, the incidence rates. So for example, in Australia and New Zealand, Europe and North America, um, and lower rates have been found in Africa and Central Asia. Um, mm. But mm. you know, that diet, yep. environment exposure, your socioeconomic status, like these are the things that, will influence whether or not you end up, you know, as a person that gets diagnosed with this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah we just we got to live better and treat our bodies better. Some things we we can't really avoid. Like I can't avoid what's happening in my environment. I'm not about to pick up and move, but right. there's some things yeah. precautions <laughs> right. we all know we could take. So mm-hmm. I think like the and screening the- and and the prevention is so key, especially like again with black men. We think about it uh, oftentimes many men think about it. I'm going to have something go up into my derriere and back. And that's, you know, a certain way, the misperception of that. But mm-hmm. you rather die than have an actual diagnosis or be able to be diagnosed early enough so that they can intervene and catch right. the polyps or catch the things that can eventually develop into the cancer, which for colon cancer spreads very rapidly and has, you know, disastrous um, outcomes. Uh, I think we got to continue to speak for like the diet too, right? Like eating red meats, a lot of processed meats increases your risk mm-hmm. for colorectal cancer. And not saying, you know, you have to rid yourself of this, but in anything in life, you got to do it in, in moderation, right? What you right. eat truly becomes who you are and it manifests you in your health. So if you eat a lot of fat, then your body's going to become fat and then you're going to have a lot of fat in it and increase mm-hmm. your risk for other things. So um, having that conversation and continuing to talk about this is really key. And I think we don't do this enough. Um, I know a lot of my homies, like, they don't go to the doctors at all. That's just, they just don't. Right. Even at 30, I'm 30, I'm 35, I'm 25, whatever. I'm healthy. Like, I don't got no symptoms. Or but that's the thing with these things, right? They catch you off guard. When you and start losing weight. Sometimes the symptoms weight, are subtle. Sometimes right. the symptoms are subtle, mm-hmm. too. You, you can't weight, even, like. Yeah. No appetite. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, you can't walk. You're weak, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, bro. And then next you know, you got stage four adenocarcinoma or colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. being able to do this early on, you know, I urge everyone, even for myself, you know, I've been doing a better job of going to a doctor um, and trying to rid myself of that mentality. Like I'm healthy. I'm not, I'm not having any symptoms. So what do I need a doctor for? <laughs> Especially being a doctor. It's crazy how that works. But anyway. <laughs> and I think it's like important too, that we mentioned on the podcast, you know, because we know that not everybody's going to, like you said, Aldwin, especially with black men, want to do the screening or right. whatever, take the necessary steps. But I think, you know, one thing we can do, at least for them on this podcast, is let them know about some of the symptoms that they could possibly see 100%. that could prompt them to maybe say, hey, let me go see my family doctor, or my internal medicine doctor, whoever you see, uh, to get ch- uh, checked out. But some things to make note of that people who have had some form of colorectal cancer or maybe abnormal polyps or something of that nature would be a change in your bowel habits. So are you now having like looser stools or something like that? Um, seeing blood in or on your stool after you have a bowel movement. So when you wipe, you see like blood on the tissue or something like that. Diarrhea, constipation, or just feeling like the bowel doesn't empty all the way. Abdominal pain, aches or cramps that just don't seem to go away. And then as you've already mentioned, all doing with weight loss and not being able to explain why you have it. So those mm-hmm. are just, you know, symptoms that our listeners can hopefully like i said this none of us would have to deal with something like this happening to us but maybe you know somebody who's been complaining about those things you know or maybe you yourself because these days i'm hearing that people even close to our age are getting these this this type of cancer like it's actually really insane so i think that everybody should just be mindful of your body and any change that you 
can feel that is similar to what we've just said on this podcast. So, you know, like we've all talked about in terms of how to continue to fight this horrible disease and kind of just prevent it from escalating to a point that will be harder to treat. You know, there are just internal risk factors, age being the biggest risk factor for just sporadic colorectal cancer. Um, usually I think they said it's more, the incidence kind, kind of begins to increase significantly, significantly between the ages of 40 and 50. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think they're actually doing screening before. I think it was 45, but they dropped it to 40 because people were getting it at, at younger ages. So kind of just keeping that in mind. So if you know anybody, maybe your parent or whoever who's past that age or within that age, maybe you want to tell them, hey, like go get screened. You know, it's something that can be quick. And I think the colonoscopy is the best way to do it because that actually tells you whether they can actually see the abnormal polyps. Some people do like the fecal occult blood test or something like that, but that's not mm-hmm. as specific because it doesn't tell you whether or not there's actually like polyps that are there that are abnormal, which could then transform into some cancer so mm-hmm. colonoscopy being the best way to screen um and just making sure yes that they said at age 45 but like i said it may have dropped to 40 now i think it did but i'll have to kind of cross cross reference that um and also if you are if it is 45 let's assume it's 45 if you have any family history of somebody who's had any kind of um inflammatory bowel disease so that's like crohn's disease ulcerative colitis if you know anybody in your family who's had colon cancer or if you have a genetic syndrome known as um basically the abbreviation is fap i don't really feel like pronouncing the whole thing but if you type in fap colon it'll pop up or lynch syndrome and lynch syndrome is a genetic condition where typically you have different members of your family who have different kinds of cancer so some may have ovarian cancer some may have breast cancer all those things so okay sometimes yeah listen (laughs) you know i'm in my step one study period so i gotta spit okay okay so i better know what the heck i'm talking about (laughs) so yeah i think in a nutshell um you know, this we're talking right now just about prevention, screening, and just things we can be mindful of to continue to keep this disease at bay. Um, but I kind of want to throw this question out there, though. You know, Chadwick was only 43 when he passed away, right? right. And he, do you think because of his notable example and other people of color, especially men, that folks in our community should actually be screened earlier in life? Like, what are you guys' thoughts about that? Uh, I think that they should be screened early enough. Um I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like, at what age would be particularly the best to do that? Um, because mm-hmm. you don't want to be over invasive with those kind of things, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, you know, undergo anesthetics, and you know, you have to drink the fluid and all that kind of stuff, and it could be traumatic and traumatizing, especially for black men, right? In, in the setting of how they feel about that situation. So, I do believe that uh, prevention is the best way. Uh, because mm-hmm. oftentimes, especially we see with breast cancer and other diseases, when it manifests is at the worst because we haven't been able to capitalize on opportunities to meet our physicians where they're at prior right. to being diagnosed or prior to the disease developing. And when we we talk to our, you know, our black men, I think that we have to be in these spaces where the, you find them at, right? Barbershops, you know, um, arenas, basketball arenas. You know, sport events, right? Uh, the church, you know, meet them where they're at, you know, sometimes a liquor store and being able to sit down with them and let them know, like, these are some of the consequences of health uh, that can manifest. And if you don't know, you don't know, right? And I think even a lot of people aren't even sure of why Chadwick Bozeman died, to be honest, in our community. They just know that he died, but they don't even know that he had actual right. colon cancer. It's like, oh, he died at early age. That sucks. Too bad. 
But right. uh, to be able to have that sit down and that that one on one, many black men they don't have that right. They don't have someone mm-hmm. to sit down with them, make them comfortable, to acknowledge the fact that their health should be a priority. Because if you're not healthy, mm-hmm. then you can't take care of their family, right? We just be yeah. on the grind. We just be on the go. Like we just trying to make it out here. So uh, I think it, it says a lot about where our culture and our society is. And even, you know, we know the disparities and we'll talk about it later in terms of, you know, the amount of black doctors that are out there versus our population that causes a significant effect on that. So mm-hmm. we just need to be out here and make sure that our brothers are, you know, held down and we're not doing enough of that. Yeah, there's I mean, historically, we've been left out of out of the conversation. Correct. And yep. Left away from the table because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what is it now like 5.7 percent of doctors in the u.s some like under six percent of doc of black doctors in the u.s I see, I, i'm getting your your drift this yeah, yeah like less like, than six percent of doctors are yeah, black in the united sorry. states yeah i'm just mm-hmm. my brain no. is going listen that's why you have us over here to right, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's there's not enough of us so Mm -hmm. you know when you talk about the need for screenings and the need to push for screenings and whatever Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. to take care of our health like well there's the reason right there it's in Mm -hmm. our faces um and there's a black doctor shortage right we we know this we see it when we go to our own doctor's offices because let me let me ask a question how when did you see your first black doctor what age uh, I had to be like maybe, like maybe fourteen. Maybe that's 15 cap. Or I think so because, yeah, but you know why? My mom had a friend. My mom grew up with a friend, and she was a, like, I did. I had a one pediatrician for most of my time, and at some point she wanted us to switch pediatricians. So she had, she forgot that she had a friend who was a pediatrician. And so she started taking us to her, but she was a little bit farther away from where I lived, mm-hmm. but I had to probably already be a teen at that point. I, like, I think I was maybe 14, 15 or so. And it, and so, I didn't even really see her, see her for that long. Cause I soon was going to become an adult and transition into adult care and not see a pediatrician. Okay. So, yeah. So teen for you, what about you, Owen? For me, it's probably, I mean, I, so I had a, she wasn't a continued doctor I saw, but she was a pediatric resident. And I remember I was in NYU booklet, um, and they had a photo of us. I was on my mom's lap, and she uh, was uh, smiling at me and, and seeing me, but she was a resident at the time. Um, mm-hmm. That was the first time, but I don't remember that, that, that situation. I just remember the picture. But for real, for real, the first time was when I was in undergrad, probably like when I was 20, when I went to an event um, by uh, for a guy called uh, Dr. Levi Watkins, who found a defibrillator, and his mentee was there, and that's when I first shadowed like my first black physician. You know what I'm saying? So I was like 20, mm. 21. He's an ER doc kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How about now, you? Well, I was gonna so follow up question, and then I'm gonna add, answer for uh, both of the questions just real quick. So, mm-hmm. when did your influence like? Did it come from? Did your influence to become a physician come from? a black doctor that you saw or met or was it just, I want to be a doctor like how a lot of people. Um, well, I kind of grew up in a health 
centered family a little bit like my mom is a pharmacist okay. my dad himself oh. is like a physician yeah so oh, like i kind money. of kind of grew up in that space okay no 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 because no. i'll tell you this is the we're talking about because you guys know i'm nigerian right like i'm nigerian american yeah, right and there's a whole process when you're an international medical graduate as you probably know eric right, because right. you also mm-hmm. went to school in the caribbean so that process is crazy and yeah, is. he yeah. didn't even get a residency until like i was already almost like I think I was probably midway through high school. So for most of my oh. life, my mom was actually the breadwinner because she was like, wow. it's not the process. Yeah, it's not the process of. <laughs> Can you please be quiet? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like that's real. Like that's tough. Yeah, just because the process to like getting your license to practice pharmacy f- as an international medical graduate is much simpler than if say you're a physician from like it's just the process is way more seamless. So she is actually the person who was mostly the breadwinner in our family. So she was actually the one who actually inspired me to go into health more so because she kind of lived and breathed like nutrition, wellness. Like we always only ate like organic food. She always knew what medication I needed to take and stuff like that if I was sick. So I think like her being so health minded and so health conscious kind of like gave me that interest early on. I knew I didn't want to go into pharmacy because like drugs wasn't really, I wasn't like (laughs) crazy about drugs, but I cared about the whole mind, body, well, like wellness kind of taking care of yourself. So I think that was my influence. Yours is from home, right? Exactly. Basically. Not, was not somebody you saw. So, Alwyn, what about no. you? Yeah. Uh, mine's was, I mean, my mom's a nurse, licensed practice nurse. Mine's was really, like, innate, really. And then eventually became, like, ah, I'm seeing more black doctors, right, like, on social media or connecting with them, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it was innate for me because I knew that in my community, like, there was no black doctors at all. Okay. And I needed to be that uh, representation and leader. Got it. So for me, I had a black pediatrician. Dope. Oh, that's, that's great. And that's what made me want to be a doctor. So my mm. point, I know that was a lot, but I think the point is having more doctors makes more people that are black want to become doctors. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, so exactly. we have this shortage right. and everybody's asking, why is there a shortage? Why are there not more black doctors right now? It, it's because we're not seeing more black people become doctors that much. Mm-hmm. Facts. Um I mean, it took, I didn't want for it to, I, I wasn't trying to take us down a long road. I just wanted yeah. to show like, if if there's it. more mm-hmm. of us, then there will be more black doctors. Like we have to continually remember that. Like most people don't see their first black physician until they're either out in residency or a medical student. That's and a fact. Yep. There was, um. I mean, there's been articles about it. We have Jacqueline Howard from CNN um, who kind of shed light on this and there being, you know, just socio-political and economic conditions that exist in the background that mm-hmm. contribute to the disparities that we see. Mm-hmm. And I really want to discuss, though, I don't want to mispronounce his name or this person's name. Don't worry, I'll say it. You know, okay, Sh- please. Sean Adebayo. Yeah. Thank that's you. That's how you pronounce it. A 30-year med student in Boston. And she was interviewed in this article and Mm -hmm. had a lot of questions that kind of pertain to us. I'll list a few of them. So the deeper she got into her medical education, the more she realized, or I'll read it in her voice. The deeper I got into my medical education, the more I realized if I'm in the system, I know how it works. I not only know the science, but I also know how the system works. Mm. She said how how in many black and brown communities, there can be limited access to mm. care and resources within the medical system. Um, I know what to ask for on the patient side, but 
if I'm worried about something for myself, but then also for my parents and my family, I feel you sis on this 100% because the way you have to move in the system as a black person is very different, especially if you're coming from a background Mm. where you don't have any family members that are doctors. Mm -hmm. You don't know anyone in your periphery that went into medicine. So I think these comments, you know, from this student, they heavily influence this issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. It's systemic and it's not something that could be changed overnight. So, yeah. I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that I think what she said is powerful in the beginning in terms of like, I not only know of the science, but I know how the system works. And that mm-hmm. is the part of medicine that we actually don't really realize is the most important part. You know, we come in bright eyed, shiny. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, I want to go into medicine. I want to change the world. I want to make an impact. I want to do all these things. But then you realize, <laughs> but then you realize, okay, you realize how many roadblocks are set up for you. You realize that they actually don't care about you at all. No. Like the system actually doesn't care about you and you need to fend for yourself. And even if you have the knowledge, there's still going to be internal factors that are yep. going to block, block. you yep. from receiving the care that you deserve. So once you see that, you know, a part of you realizes that, Outside of just the clinical aspect, you have to do the advocacy part as well, or else it means nothing, you know? So I think she brought up a very good point that we need to kind of continue to to mull over. But, you know, that's why what she was mentioning, that's why I always go back to my block, right? Because even now, like, you know, being school system, whatever, I see kids um, and they're like, you're a doctor? And they're just surprised, especially black kids Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because he, I don't even have to say a word, but the fact that they acknowledge and see that you're yeah, a doctor, it changes the world for them because now mm-hmm. they're envisioning what they can possibly do. They initially couldn't see that because you are what you see. If you don't see black doctors and you're black right. yourself, then that's like the extreme extent of which you believe is possible for you. But in my neighborhood, right. we, you know, we got a lot of dudes that think, you know, and respectfully, you could do what you want. And Anything can happen, but respectfully, they believe they could be athletes and and rappers because we are inundated with social media. A lot of rappers that are black, a lot of athletes that are black that are doing superb things and not nothing against them. But that is not the only field that you can find yourself in. We look at places like technology, you know, STEM, right? Like there's a lot of places where you can make a lot of bread, but because we don't advocate or we don't expose that to these children in these school systems, then I think it's really a manifestation of the racist, uh, the racism and the, the structure of racism that's preventing mm-hmm. us from getting accessibility to these places. Uh, that we, we're we not there. You know, you got one to two percent of people in STEM tech. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's crazy. You can make mm-hmm. six figures being a software analyst or software engineer or aerospace engineer or, you know what I'm saying, cybersecurity. But Mm. you don't know what you don't know. And so that really speaks to that, right? Like um, not having family members, not having people. And for me, like I really had to get out the mud, right? My mom was an immigrant from Cameroon, came here Mm. and didn't really know any of the, you know, the culture of America. And so um, being able to like find myself and learning about that and now, my duty is to advocate for people and also be in those spaces where I can say, I got you. I got a homie um, that called me last week, one of my mentees. This man um, 
you know, he been to jail and in prison and all that. He had a sentence, got charged and all this stuff. Ended up getting accepted to med school here in America Ooh. and didn't have the top wow. MCAT scores and none of that. But he's like, bro, you believed in me, right? And because you believed in me and I saw how you was working and I saw that you was present, that I knew that you could do what you did. You know what I'm saying? That's right. They see my story. Really so, yeah, thanks. Yeah. From, from that perspective, it's like it's about the exposure and who you know and what you know and what you encounter. So that, right. I think, is important for us not to just. And I see a lot of doctors like we're in the hospital, we work it. And that's great. But please, like, be in your community as much as you can. You know, when you mm-hmm. have the opportunity to speak to children, even if you're not getting paid for it, just be there. Like. It's great to be a doctor, but it's also great to be an inspirator and uh, someone that encourages our community uh, to, to to see and envision what they can do in the future. And that is what it, like, life is about. Like we mentioned on this podcast, leaving a legacy. It's not about just yourself. Right. But with that being said, I mean, you kind of already touched on it, Aldwin. Like, where do you think that pipeline where do both of you guys think that pipeline is kind of leaking? Because I do think that like with anything, like you said, with any profession, mm-hmm. there has to be a way that you encourage a demographic to enter that field. And most of the time, there are certain things that the person's going to have in their life, whether it's school or whether it's going to be where they grew up, influences people that they know, family members, whatever, that's going to encourage them to say, hey, like either I want to go into medicine or I want to go into tech or I want to go into law or whatever. Mm-hmm. At least for, for the medicine aspect, where do you think that pipeline is kind of wavering that we aren't getting that upward trajectory of more black doctors as we should? Uh, I think it's a few things, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's the testing Mm. Um, I think, you know, some people are whizzes, right? They can literally know any, everything, but they might have some test taking anxiety that Mm. they're just not good test takers. You have the MCAT that in the MCAT we know now does, it does not determine how well of a doctor you, how good of a doctor you will be, how well you will perform in med school. So you still have these systemic exams, you know, that have can I say that a systemic exam or an exam placed Mm -hmm. that has come from years of old that really don't show any type of determinant for how students will practice. I think also financially, you know, you look at the cost for the, the MCAT and prep courses and, you know, if you're actually paying for college yourself versus having somebody pay for it, pay mm. for it for you, everybody's not on scholarship. Right. Um, I think those would probably, I know that's not necessarily a leaking pipeline per mm. se, mm-hmm. but I think even if you were to get the brightest and get students involved from like elementary, junior high through STEM programs. Mm-hmm. Where are these students located? Likely, you know, are these inner city students and right. students in underserved, underprivileged areas? Of course, mm-hmm. they're going to have issues when it comes to finances. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I feel like that's that's the issue that's going to probably be the issue that will prevent others from achieving this mm. in the future. It's sad, but... Yeah, I mean... I, I perfectly agree. You know, uh, the, it's so cross prohibitive. Look, for me, when I applied to residency, I spent $2,000 just to I apply to like 95 schools or something like that. And mm. I actually used a stipend from um, one of my 
away rotations at an institution that had a lot of money in Cali just to pay oh, wow. for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cause you just mm-hmm. had to figure out. You know, luckily I was blessed to get that away rotation. Mm-hmm. Um but um, even when we talk about the MCAT, preparing resources, preparing for step one, step two, uh, when you get into actual undergrad, um, even outside of like the financial perspective is like the lack of mentorship, lack of finding people that look like you that are in the positions that you want to see yourself be uh, and then being present. Uh, I think the most critical period is particularly in high school. Where you know mm. we see a, a real significant divergent shift in what people believe they can accomplish, because again, um, I see in the school system, it's like there's not a lot of black male figures. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot of black doctors in the this school system. True. There's not, a lot of, you know, what I mean, like putting on, like saying, "Yo, you could do this." You know, uh, it's very easy to be led astray. And so I think with the pipeline, like we have to, you know, create the excellence that we want to see. And we got to bring back the entrepreneurs, the doctors, the people that's, that are engineers and coming back to these schools and, uh, you know, talking about what they do, because, it, you know, that's oftentimes a rarity. You know, uh, my middle yeah. school, same middle school that JLo went to is about to close down um, in the Bronx. And I think about the fact, like, that I'm I'm missing out. I never even got a chance to even go back to the school, and I don't even know. There's maybe there's one other person that's that's a doctor that I know that graduated from that middle school. You know what I'm saying? Um, that I went to, uh, but we never went back. Like you know what I'm saying? That school is like in the hood, hood type shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it it's like you just get lost in what you're doing, and I think that we got to learn to give back as we proceed. And get higher and higher in the echelon of what we got going on. We have to also bring up forth the people that's behind us. So I think with the pipeline, like not neglecting and forgetting our responsibilities. And again, leaving that legacy, there's so much that we need to do. We get up, you know, we go to our family events, functions, we go travel, we go to these vacations. But what about the kids that's, you know, starving to to get that excellence that they need, starving to get that mentorship, starving to learn who they want to be, starving to see the beauty of the world when they worried about when am I going to eat? When am I going to see my dad? Like starving, mm. you know what I'm saying? So uh, we got to be there. You know, I'm not saying we got to be there all the time, but we have to have some sense of presence so that they know what is possible and what is impossible. I think that's like an important thing you definitely mentioned in terms of got to have the basics, the essentials fulfilled so that way people have the energy to even dream so Mm -hmm. i think that's like a great way to end it both of you guys kind of you know brought up good points in terms of where we can just kind of address the lack of funneling black people into medicine and we're going to continue to places like this like the podcast we're going to continue to promote these issues and make sure that it's said so that way we continue to be on the mission of increasing black numbers and making sure we're well represented in these spaces. So I think that's a great thing. And on top of that, we have other ways, at least through the podcast and through SNMA that we continue to promote, you know, black excellence, Mm -hmm. black success, medicine, all of that. And our conference, our annual conference 
as we stated in the beginning of the episode, um, AMEC is coming up. And so you know that we always have our little episode beforehand where we kind of chat about what it is that we're looking forward to um, with AMEC and kind of like what we're excited about when it comes yes. to the conference. Um, of course, before that, we have to shout out our AMEC ticket giveaway winners, Chelsea Adabi and Esther Mallet. You guys will be attending AMEC free of charge. So congrats to you guys. We hope you enjoy it. Hope to see you there. Um, hopefully we'll catch you guys at our, our, uh, the events that we have planned when we get to AMEC uh, this year, we have our events kind of on the same day. So hopefully we hope that we have people come out on Thursday and kind of see what we're about. We were there last year um, and we had a great time. Unfortunately, um, Erica wasn't able to make it out, but you know, she will be coming this year and it'll be three of us, the whole gang, Andy will be there. Our whole team will be there. So looking forward to kind of seeing everybody in person. Um, of course, we we're going to play our little snippet right now of uh, DeAndre, Ades, who are going to talk about their uh, experiences at AMEC, kind of sharing about how their first AMEC went and kind of what to expect. So we hope you guys enjoy that clip. Hi, my name is Ade Ashranubi. Hey guys, my name is DeAndre Tate Drummer. Hey y'all, my name is Skenda. I'm currently an emergency medicine intern at the University of Pennsylvania. I also served as the external affairs co-chair from 2020 to 2022. Former EAC co-chair as well as the current general surgery resident. I'm currently a transitional year intern going into ophthalmology. When I was a medical student, I was involved in SNMA at the local, regional, and national level. My most recent position in the organization being the former executive producer of SNMA Presents The Lounge. I would say that my best AMEC experience was last year when we went to Orlando um, and we had it in person after two years due to the pandemic. Uh, my favorite memory of AMEC would have to just be linking up with all your friends and peers across the country in one spot. One of my favorite parts about AMEC is the board of directors banquet dinner that happens at the end of the conference. I would say that was a great opportunity for me because I was able to do a good amount of speaking engagements, which was really great. I was able to talk about my experience doing documentary filmmaking and shedding light on health disparities. To have a good time and encourage each other through a black medical student, resident, or physician. Honestly, I just think it's a wonderful way for all of us to dress up, hear from our amazing board members, and just celebrate all the achievements that we've accomplished at the local, regional, and national levels throughout the year and set our goals for the upcoming year. And then it was also great to connect with a large amount of people and see familiar faces in person. Enjoy this year, y'all. That's my experience. I'm excited for AMEC this year. It's just a wonderful time to gather with our community and just celebrate each other. Thank you guys for listening to that clip. We hope you guys enjoyed uh, and we hope that got you excited for AMEC that's coming up. So I guess we can kind of get into our AMEC experience and, you know, what, how we felt about it, what we liked about it. Um, you know, we, we kind of took time offline to listen to our episode we had last year before we had our live show in Orlando. And, you know, at least me and Alden can attest, I had a great time in Orlando. What about you? What was, how are you, how did Amec go for you last year? Yo, me and Erica had some time. Like, I love that we, uh, last year was the first time we actually met 
Erica and didn't go to the, you said I mean, you and Erica. Erica. Isabella, excuse me. Me and Isabella. <laughs> I was like, my, oh, I, I, I was I was singing to Erica like I, I was dreaming there. for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for oh, last that's year. That's so nice. <laughs> uh, me and Isabella, we, we had time to like it link up. It was a hologram. It was it a was. hologram, y'all. I sent yeah. myself via hologram. Uh, okay, and that's it. <laughs> it was good enough. <laughs> but you're going to be there for Hartford. That's what matters. You know what I'm saying? That's all right. good. This is true. But we was outside, you know, we, uh, you know, we had a great time. You know, I, I met some uh, amazing people. Uh, I was like between, um, you know, moderating and managing the events for the osteopathic committee. I had like four or five events and then like still navigating like, you know, the extracurriculars and everything. And mm-hmm. I love like they had the pool. We had a big pool party out there that I missed, but I heard about that was crazy. Like uh, we had <laughs> you were uh, there? A oh. silent party. Listen. That silent party was le- like lit too. They had oh, the panoramic the camera. Party? Yeah, I went oh, there. Oh wow! And I then, was not there. No, you was okay. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was yeah. at the pool party, but I didn't like. I didn't put on any bathing suit. I was not inside of the pool. I think was. I think it was actually with Audit at the time. Yeah, <laughs> we were. We were like chilling on the side of um, like whatever the the tables and stuff like that. They were yeah. they were in that pool. They were in the pool. I was, was not. Dude, wow. We were not there. <laughs> oh, no, bro. Then I pulled up after. I was like, and I seen people I knew, see people that I hadn't seen mm-hmm. in a couple of years and stuff like that, which is really mm-hmm. cool. And then, you know, we, we had the, uh, you know, the 90s or 80s party, which I got stuff for. I too did not go to that. Yes, I did not. I remember being super stressed about. I remember being super stressed about my shelf exam. I had my neuro shelf exam. Oh yeah. During I remember I told you that. You know, thankfully we thank God I ended up passing. But listen, that was scary. That was a scary time for me because I was like, (laughs) I was like, how am I supposed to go to this conference, get lit with all these beautiful black people, and then come back and take the shelf exam? Oh my gosh, I I had to. I had to control myself. I said I'm gonna go to like maybe one or two event, like two nightlife things, but the rest that aren't, I gotta, I gotta stay home and study so that's why i missed out on some of the yeah you bugging out i would have never i would have took in the hell bro like i never when i had when i went yeah i never i i turned up it's like i'll do that when i get back whatever happened happens you know what i'm saying i was outside like my man's uh, lived in orlando so we also drove around went to different clubs mm. and stuff like that so i loved it and i can't wait for harford i ain't gonna lie like every year i think that's like top three things i look forward to every year in my life like in the last six years, it's going to amen. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. That's great. Yeah, I totally agree. It was a great time. Um, <laughs> and I think it was nice it being our first time, at least for me, it was my first time in an in-person AMEC conference then doing our live show because we had done the live show the year prior when mm-hmm. our, as our first during our first season um, but it was virtual and I know we had a great time when we did it virtual but it was nice to kind of have that like live platform and have people come out and you know talk about um, kind of engage with us and talk about all the topics that we had for them and you know it got a little spicy at some point but it was it was a great time and I hope that people come out this year and see what we're about you know because we always keep the same energy we always kind of keep the momentum up and we want to we want to promote SNMA and what we stand for but I think in general in terms of the conference and what it stands for, which is making sure to pr- have the workshops to, to get people more informed about what the organization offers and things that they can hope to gain being a member of SNMA. So we had different workshops um, that I found really interesting, you know, specialty based. So people are interested in certain specialties. You can kind of go out, listen to panels. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, you know, different, I know Ada even had like, I think a event with about like, um, black woman in film and all that stuff. And she kind of talked about her work in that. And even just like different, uh, 
professionals in medicine and talking about their trajectory in medicine, what they've accomplished so far, and people who are interested in that kind of pathway, you know, you could come out, hear what they have to say and see how you want to incorporate that into your own life. So I thought those were all really great things. And also just like the community aspect, like you met so many people, like I'm, I, there's people I met, you know, during AMEC last year that I still follow on social media to this day or whatever. I think one of them, like what a good um, one of the people that we were hanging out with me and Andine, uh, he actually promoted one of our episodes that we ended up kind of um, publishing, I think a little bit after AMEC. It was a really good episode. I'm, I have to remember the name of it or which episode number it was, but he like promoted it. So I'm thinking it's nice because he was there for our live shows and then he came out and was still listening to our episode. So I think it also yep. gave us more publicity as well. That's fine. So that's why I, I appreciate AMEC. I think it's really good because it allows people to not only gain more momentum in their drive for medicine, why they want to be doctors, but also find ways to be creative in terms of how they want to kind of continue expanding upon their career options in this field. So I think that's mm. why people should come out. People should come out to get inspiration, get, you know, that energy and drive you need to keep pushing because I'm sure we're all in different stages in medicine right now. And sometimes it's hard to kind of push push on with each and every day mm. but when you come out to conferences like this it kind of rejuvenates you you know you think okay like this is why i'm in the field this is why you know i decided to become a doctor so mm. i personally always recommend everybody any black or even you know uh minority maybe you don't got to be black who wants to feel inspired for a couple days come out to amec we on the podcast recommend it but i don't know about yeah. you all the Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Erica. Even though I didn't attend last year, because I did do the online one the year before. Mm -hmm. And I want to say I met two people that have really kind of helped in the last year, year and a half of med school, not being in med school. Um, like that one AMEC introduced me to two mentors and mm. that was online. Mm. Um, right. And got me connected. Um, I ended up doing Region Four uh, Executive Board. Like, mm. so it it's something that yes, it's fun, um, and yeah. I, I I assume even in person it's more fun. But if you work, like your network is your net worth. If okay. you really go with a plan, you know what what do I want to accomplish? Who do I want to meet? Like you set your intentions, it will come to you and you will benefit from it. Um, right. And like I said, that's just from an online experience. And mm. I think it was harder to actually <laughs> kind of do something of that nature, you know, like really network. We were, we didn't even see each other really except for like one or two yeah. sessions. Right. Um, and I like literally two mentors that I still keep in touch with that mm. check in. You know, oh, that's amazing. And, it is. So go to uh, go to AMEC with the intention of getting something out of it. Period. For real, for real. So that was one of those clubhouse it. days too. Back then we used to love the audio and just chatting <laughs> right. in, a, in a room. Like crazy. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're not there anymore, but that was, it was a good time. That was know? fun. That was mad fun. Mm -hmm. I missed that. I ain't gonna lie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shout out to us. Us to say all that. Yeah. So, I mean, Alden, did you want to talk a little bit about kind of, I think you kind of already alluded to it, but was there anything in specifics you kind of wanted to talk about in terms of that's kind of it? Okay. He yeah. said, basically come out, get lit. And that's, that's AMEC. That's the reason why you <laughs> I should mean, go. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to say this year, like I'm not on the board. So like, it's mm -hmm. nice to be able to like really enjoy it and not have to deal with programming and have multiple meetings. 
um, like while AMEC. So it was very hard to have a complete in- enjoyable experience, although I did like enjoy. But this year right. I'll be like really getting in and have my leisure time to do what I need to do. You know what I mean? Well, for, Hopefully for you what find is my worth, wife. Alvin. Oh gosh. But I was going to say, <laughs> for what it's worth, you, everything I just explained, you have done at AMEC. Like, right. yeah. you were, you know, president of this and co chair for that and yeah. taking pictures with the osteopathic yep. uh, head and, yeah. you know, hosting him at breakfast. So, my point, like, yeah, you might be get lich and chill <laughs> right now, but yeah. while you were a medical student, what right. did you do? You put in the work and you made right. a work for you. So, right, right, right. I mean, don't downplay it. Like you, I know what you didn't get to experience quote unquote in the manner that you wanted to, but yeah. experience it now you, you really did put in work. I watched yeah. it. You know what I mean? For two years in a row. Did. Thank you, you very so much. much. <laughs> I appreciate it. You did your thing. We love it. <laughs> Thank okay. you. And of course now, you know, that we've talked about our experiences being at AMEC. Erica alluded to the one we had two years ago, which was a great time. I and Alden kind of touched on what we did uh, last year in Orlando. But this, now kind of talking about this year, what we're looking forward to, um, we kind of, you know, offline listened to our prior episode that we we had the right before we actually had our live show in Orlando. And we kind of talked about what we were looking forward to, like <laughs> what to expect and all those things. And, you know... I know Aldwin, you was talking a little bit about the osteopathic stuff, the right. speed dating, whatever. Erica was talking about um, basically just getting for us to like come together, see each other in person, having that experience. Um, and as well as that, other pl- uh, panels you're looking forward to, looking forward to, but I know because you didn't get the chance to go probably now. Uh, but you did talk about the TikTok stuff. You did talk about that. So that's yep. an important part as well. And then I was more so just talking about... Um, kind of just like what it was like to gonna be live and in person in that experience uh, of having, cause it was my first time going to a live uh, AMEC. So kind of how that would be going in person and, and how getting the full experience of meeting other black people and who are in medicine and everything like that. So, I mean, what are you guys's, how do you guys feel, I guess today in comparison, if you guys wanna kind of touch on what you said in that prior episode and how you guys now feel today in comparison to what you said back then, whether there's anything new that you think that you're looking forward to this year. Yeah. For me, you know, obviously the osteopathic events I'm going to go support and there's several of them this year. I had, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on the, the deal, uh, speed dating, uh, I mean, not speeding, but post-match panel. And then also uh, I'm doing a financial literacy uh, speaking mm. event as well, which would be really a little switch up. Uh, which I'm looking forward to enjoying. Um, and also, again, like not having those responsibilities and being able to like really enjoy. We have some events that, you know, we'll be hosting that you guys will mm-hmm. see us at. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember last year when uh, me and Isabella, you know, we hosted the um, BOD banquet. That was really dope. Yes, it was. That was so fun. Different, you know. Uh, going up on that stage, having messy. the lights. Listen, that was, yeah, that was kind of bad. <laughs> there was too much going on. Listen, like, right. the, okay, I, I've, I've, listen, I went to Howard, so I can deal with this organization. I can deal with last minute yeah. stuff. <laughs> but uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but that had me a little bit anxious. Like I was having a little bit of anxiety. You know, I got to just push through. That but was... it ended up being a beautiful. It was a beautiful event. It's just right. that. Listen, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Is there no speedy dating this year though? No, no. Is it still? Do you know if there's a speed dating event this year, or, or is it just? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Stay tuned and see. <laughs> you I can't me? with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, what about you, Erica? Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to meeting y'all, and um, finally. Yeah. We have yeah. milk. <laughs> so I had to get into my rock. Sorry. What is good with you today? Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty. I mean, we'll see like <laughs> mm-hmm. how it unfolds, but that's definitely top priority. Okay. That's good. Definitely yeah. Me too. Priority. In terms of like, in terms of, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm looking forward to once again, like I think I'm looking forward to, I think it's nice that all of our events this year are falling on one day. Cause then this time I can kind of just actually care about enjoying all of AMAC and like to a mm-hmm. higher extent than I could last year. Cause I was like, okay, every day we have a pretty, we pretty much had an event every day. So at some point you had to like carve out time to prepare and, you know, look through what we wanted to talk about. So sometimes that kind of did get in the way of like, Oh, well I maybe was thinking to go to this workshop or whatever. So I think it'll be nice yeah. to not have like, that burden of like okay we got to make sure we're on go every day so you know i can put my all on thursday then kind of enjoy and see what the other days of the conference have to offer so and that's what i'm looking forward to Mm -hmm. yeah so come out to amac everyone i think that it is uh going to be a great experience we on the podcast of course we represent snma and we also represent our annual medical education conference and we hope that everybody takes the time out to see what we're about Come see the podcast live and in person. See our energy. See what we're coming with. And if you're not already a member of SNMA, uh, get on that because it, it's definitely life changing. Hey, that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Lounge. And let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today by emailing us at podcasts at snma.org. You know the vibe. Be sure to follow SNMA on all our social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. We out. Let's go. Hey, man. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you hopefully in Hartford. <laughs> we will see you there. <laughs> <laughs>